Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Jules Gill, it's Friday, it's the Untitled Banter Podcast, the UBP, the UBP, the UBP, the day after the Summer Games Fest, tried to blow us all away, mixed reactions to the old SGF, but I want to see what you think, um, I'm Scott Tilford, joined by Jules Gill, I think I said that before, but you never know, how are you doing? You're moving so quickly, man, you are gusting <laughs> through this place, you are Hurricane I'm Scott, a you are... Boy. You are, man. You're a windy lad. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, is that I do agree with you in some respects. The Summer Game Fest, it tried to huff and puff and blow us all away. Mm-hmm. But it did get a bit wheezy at some and it point. it two hours early. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot about it, which is like, it's, it speaks of the greater sort of problem with online gaming mm. expo style stuff like this. It's like a lot of stuff gets leaked early. It's hard to control the narrative when it's like already out there. And it's hard to be surprised when everyone in the audience is like, I've just seen this uh, trailer actually like 10 minutes ago. But I was pleasantly surprised. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had low expectations going in, I won't lie. And I walked away going, there are a few titles here that I'm really looking forward to. However... Not all of them were the AAA bangers. It was all no. indie stuff that I was really intro- into. It's, uh, there was a whole bunch of tweets. Like I said, there was a mixed sort of fallout to the Summer Games first, where a lot mm-hmm. of people were just saying, like, oh, my God, the state of AAA gaming right now, where mm. it's the thing that was heading the show was a remake of a game from 2013 that we don't really need a remake of. And then I was one of the people who, when I saw the screenshots that leaked beforehand, I was like, I can't even tell which is the remake and which is the new one. <laughs> and I know that like, if you really them um, certain shots, especially the clickers, they've been completely overdone. And I know that the character models for Joel and Ellie are the Last of Us 2 flashback models. Yes, so they are they different. Are. Um, yeah. But when they revealed the footage of it, like that opening shot of Ellie looking out the window, you could have just told me that was 2013 and I would have believed you. Like, yeah. And even then, there is that sort of core thing of like, we're hanging, oh my God, a remake. Oh my God, a thing you already know. Like, we're not blowing people away with a, with a brand new thing. But what's your thoughts on the Last of Us remake in general? Well, so I, uh, I was... I was underwhelmed by this, I won't mm. lie, because of the fact that I too am in the same situation where I'm thinking to myself, why do we need this game remastered? Especially when it, it probably would have made for a much greater sort of sense of, oh, wow, this is something that we desperately need. Mm. Had it been the original running at 30 frames per second and now we finally got the liquid smooth 60 right. frames, like, like, but because of the fact that we'd already had the remastered version before for the PlayStation 4, mm-hmm. it feels like, yes, this is just the HD texture pack that's just been added on top of it and I am waiting to see how the gameplay elements have shifted because they did say that Mm -hmm. they were tweaking a few elements of that and true if they can fix the often sort of clunky uh, stealth sections and maybe refine a bit of the shooting uh, mechanics they had as well Mm -hmm. or maybe just rebalance the AI so it was less um, prone to being flanked like straight away then maybe we'll see that the gameplay is the reason to get this game over the incredible graphical update that many expect because that's the whole thing like they were like oh we've got revamped combat 
combat. I don't think they've coined it as Last of Us 2 combat, but it's like mm. overhauled or revamped or whatever. And I wonder what that's going to be because Last of Us 2 came with like a jump button and the ability to go prone, which would kind of break a lot of the original game's levels. True. But um, at the same time, I, I assume they've done something meaningful with it. I just thought it was a weird way to show it off. Like, and also like there's this kind of thing. I don't know if you come down on the same side of this as me, but like Last of Us always felt like a one-off. Like back in 2013, mm. it didn't feel like it needed a sequel at all. I was always surprised it was going to get a sequel. And then the sequel for as like solid as it is, I can take or leave that entire story to be honest mm-hmm. I, I like the original so much that I don't really need I feel like it's done like I like the empowerment that comes at the end of the original um, if you want to believe Ellie and everything else and so like now it's like this big franchise it's like we've got this multiplayer thing coming there's a TV show and we, mm-hmm. we're revamping the original within like it's not even like it's barely even enough years kind of thing and um, what, do you, what do you think of that stuff because I'm like I just don't feel like it needs it it feels like a brilliant first installment that doesn't yeah. need this other stuff it feels like um, somebody's latched onto a great indie movie and has spun out this massive franchise yeah. just for the sake of doing it. It feels very paranormal activity in some areas because mm-hmm. it's like a great concept that uh, told a fantastic story. And there is no denying that you that anyone who's played that game didn't walk away just feeling like that was a brilliantly told story. Mm-hmm. And while I maybe disagree with you, and I do think that The Last of Us 2 sequel, uh, as a sequel, is a very good game and deserves to be in the canon. Totally I in isolation. But yeah, it's phenomenal. I yeah. just didn't need it. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I will agree. It feels like a sort of extra scooping of ice cream on top mm. of an already uh, full tummy, as it were. <laughs> it's a weird thing as well, because obviously they're now calling this Last of Us Part 1. It's sort of recontextualizing mm. the fact that um, bringing in sort of the general thematics of this has been Ellie's story all along and you're kind of um, making it more about her the way the trailer's cut is like actually by the end of this if they do end up doing a Part 3 um, that Neil Druckmann's already sort of teased and said they do have a story outline for Part 3 then it mm-hmm. would be like the Ellie trilogy and I think that's quite interesting because it does minimise Joel overall. He's barely into anyway and so that would be the kind of thing of like by the time we're at the end of this it might feel like a completely different story or saga as to where it how it used to feel in 2013. Yeah, um, that some is kind of by that that is quite interesting how um if they do try and reframe it as such because uh joel's impact on part one as we're calling mm. it now is so significant because it's about him overcoming loss uh, yeah. and grief and learning to love again effectively which is strangely when you put it on paper the exact same storyline that god of war 2018 uh, <laughs> then sort of uh, did better let's That's face it thing. in many ways mm-hmm. um I do feel like if they try and take that story away from him and give it to Ellie, then maybe we're missing the point of what made Last of Us so special in the first place. That's not to say that it it isn't still Ellie's story, but it's just he is the focal point of that story. Well, that was the thing. Yeah, yeah, Ellie was always a major part of the original, one of the best written characters in entertainment or media history. It's it's interesting thinking back on or looking at the way they're remixing part one and calling it part one and with the new box art and then changing the way the trailer's kind of edited. And I like that. I don't mind the fact that it can be Ellie's trilogy. I just think it's an interesting talking point that Joel went from being like the guy everyone talks about in Last of Us 1 and to being completely minimized in 2 and then now it's kind of potentially like the Ellie trilogy. Now, I saw the internet sort of take this and apply their usual of sort of, um, uh, what, what's it called? A conspiracy theory style <laughs> things. And they were saying that the reason why that they were do- going for this uh, shift in focus mm. is because then it means that when events, and obviously if you've not played uh, The Last of Us Part 2, I won't spoil what happens, but <clears throat> to be fair, it's pretty much everywhere yeah. all over the internet. When events happen in The Last of Us Part 2, that you don't feel as bad about it because you don't feel like it was his story to begin with. Yeah, And it's like, I do get that, but isn't that 
kind of like a PR backlash <laughs> trying to minimize a fire by being like, oh, no, 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 don't worry. It was never about him anyway. That's, it, never about that's, him. Like, that's a hell of a save to sort of like do a weird, yeah, recontextualization of the entire You're trilogy. retconning your own story to, to avoid <laughs> admitting that maybe you pissed a lot of people off. <laughs> like, I, I mean, the thing is, like, the reality of the way that this remake came together is that they needed half of Naughty Dog to go do something while the main story team decide what they're going to do next. So, like, that was the thing Neil Druckmann mentioned at the end of um, Games Fest is that his next game is coming. Um, but whatever that's going to be, uh, while he worked that stuff out, um, the rest of Naughty Dog went and remade Last of Us 1. So it's kind of like, I guess yeah. they're just doing whatever they can. But yeah, I just, I think that stuff's just kind of fascinating. I never thought of Last of Us as a franchise when it first came out. I was like, this is the most immaculate one-off ever. And it's always been one of my favorite games. But I'm just, where we are now, it's this whole thing. And it's like this HBO show. And they showed that one screenshot of um, yeah. Pedro Pascal and uh, the woman who I always forget her name of, who was in Game of Thrones. Yeah. And um, it's that kind of thing where I'm just like, now it's this whole media empire thing. And I'm just like, that's not what I thought it used yeah, to be. Yeah, and the worry is, is that will it ever stop? Probably not <laughs> because of the fact that it's like a license to print money now. So you've got to think mm. to yourself, okay, so what are they going to do down the future? Once Ellie's story is told, do they then have to uh, go back and tell another story? Do they mm. go back and just start adding in loads of prequel event style things? And Probably. do they end up spoiling the original product by tying in so many sort of like cat's cradle twine all over yeah. this that you start pulling apart what made the original so special? Well, they like, said the multiplayer is coming too. Like the multiplayer is going to be its own standalone story with like that, multiplayer that components. That can absolutely do one for me. I have no interest in a multiplayer focused story of this because we got the shoehorned one that came with like Tomb Raider. We got the Uncharted one, right. which admittedly they both had their pluses and mm-hmm. cons. But this to me is just like, I I don't care. Right. I don't need to see this because it's it's very much a case of show don't tell sort mm-hmm. of thing, and I don't need to be told this story. Like, I'm very curious what they do with it because initially, like, I, I quite like Last of Us Factions, like the original multiplayer mode. I like I like the fact that it brought in your social media feed and you were looking after like your actual friends and whatever. But gameplay wise, it was never like phenomenal. It was solid. It was like I enjoyed it, but I'm curious what they do gameplay wise to try and mix it between a feeling like a single player story and worthwhile characters and Naughty mm-hmm. Dog panache, but then also do something multiplayer based and that makes it work that way too but that's my worry is that because you're focusing a game on multiplayer action that means that you are losing a lot of nuance in any mm. sort of character development because no matter what happens every single cutscene will end with a climb uh, begin with like a oh can't believe we just survived that one to no. uh, end with oh my god there's another shooting gallery coming <laughs> and it's just like ah, oh, that that there is not the level of gameplay depth no. in a multiplayer focused game than it would be in a single player one where you could experiment with different gameplay elements. Plus, I argue, I argue. No, I I totally get it. I think that's why I'm so curious how it feels to play because it's like, I don't mind hybridized multiplayer, single player stuff like Sniper Elite or Dark Souls or whatever, Mm -hmm. like invasion type Mm -hmm. stuff, but it just depends how it's done. Um, But yeah, not going to spend too long talking about the Summer Games Fest because massive thank you to everybody for sending in their questions. Didn't even say that at the start of the podcast. I know, right? We just launched straight into (laughs) Last of Us. (laughs) Well, we asked people for their thoughts and stuff, but we did get a lot of questions about the Summer Games Fest and what okay. um, games we're most hyped for and stuff. Now, I'll um, tie this off by saying that the Callisto Protocol is by far the game I'm the most excited about for the rest of the year. Um, I know that it's very Dead Space. Like, it is Dead Space 101. But I do love yep. that um, Glenn Schofield, the original creative director of Dead Space, um, having left EA, has just gone, this is what Dead Space 3 should have been. This is what I was yes, going to yes. do. Um, and that yeah. is, I'm so gassed about that because it's like, very rarely do you get directors able to just be like, look, I've actually got a budget now. I've got a platform <laughs> now. 
now I'm going to tell you the story that you should have. This is my Snyder cut. Like, yeah, kind of, yeah. And it's like, because I, I was thinking, like, is, are they going to play it too safe? Because it's weird. We're coming out in a world, it's going to be coming out in a world where the Dead Space remake is going to be right next to it. Mm. Um, or at least it's going to be talked about. And already there's people going like, oh my God, that, this looks a lot like Dead Space. And it's like, yeah, but it's allowed to be because it's by the dude. But at the same yeah. time, when you look at the powers that are in the new gameplay, it is just Dead Space so far. Minus there's like a melee system and you can dodge and stuff. Um, and the gore seems next level. But I hope there's more to it. Um, but my that was my thing. I was like, this just looks so solid. I'm getting like shades of the suffering um, from PS2. Oh, I love that like a, series. That dude, was it was so oh, good. I, I got a Steam Deck this week. I've not told you, but I got a Steam Deck this yes, week. Yes, you have. Yeah. I've, I've, just, I've been telling everybody. And um, so I've been playing um, PS2 games. So I've been playing PsyOps, mm-hmm. The Mind Gate Conspiracy, and NBA Street, and whatever. Just just all the good stuff. Um, and The Suffering is brilliant. That game it has is. It's such so good monster good, designs. It was great. And so like, yeah, I think maybe that's why it's on my mind. But there's something about Callisto that just feels so solid. And um, what was your most uh, hyped game from the show? If we take uh, Warhammer 40k Darktide out of that, because okay. everyone's pretty much just going to be like, oh, Jules going to talk about Darktide again. <laughs> yes, of course I am, because I'm incredibly hyped for it. Mm-hmm. Um, there was that game that I found very intriguing, which was called, like, is it called White Noir or something like that, where it was the, um, oh, the card-based uh, yeah, shooting Noir, platform. Neon Noir. I was there like, okay, this game mm-hmm. looks like it's got a lot of potential to be just the right level of weird uh, mm-hmm. for me. And I also um, have already played a demo, I can say that now because the embargo's up, of the uh, Metal Hellsinger uh, yes, game. Yes, that thing's available which, now. It's amazing. Okay. I won't like, like the soundtrack to it. I mean, you've got the likes of like Arch Enemy. You've got some... Uh, Is it Randy Blythe's in a song for yeah, it? Yeah, you, you've got like Trivium, uh, Matt Heafy's Is in he it as well. Like, okay. I think so. I think I, think I uh, oh. saw that his name was involved in it. And uh, the fact that it plays exactly like BPM, but with like actual soundtrack music. And it does that thing that you and I have been touting <laughs> is the best feature that is undersung in video games for ages, which mm. is, remember in SSX3 and SSX Tricky, when mm. we kept on saying that when you leave the ground for a big dr- jump, all of the music dies yes. out. Yes. And then it, when you land back, because oh. if you land the trick, you get the extra thumping bit of the bass to go into it. And it's like, this game does uh, multipliers. So you've got like 8, 16, 32. Mm-hmm. And when you get to different uh, levels, it will unlock the next bit of the track. As oh, in like, cool. so you start off with just bass and drums, mm-hmm. then it will go into the chugging riffs. And then if you get to the full 32 thing, the vocals will come screaming in and okay. you're just dashing around going like, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> so it's like, I've never played VPN. I remember you absolutely loving it. I just, I've yeah. tried Crypt of the Necrodancer. I tried the, um, the Hyrule spinoff to that one. And um, oh, yeah, there was something else that I played as well that was like a rhythm-based action game and I just it couldn't I couldn't click with it I always wanted to dodge I wanted to fire outside the beat and then I just broke everything and I was like well, yeah was it you and I talking about a groove beat or beat groove or something like that it was maybe like, um, yeah it was something it was like, like a, that like a war game like a strategy mm-hmm. war game that had war groove that's what it was called war groove yeah 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 but it yeah. was like stuff where I just like I love the idea of it especially with um, Metal Hellsinger we actually had a question um, from Willie Arreo saying they tried the demo for it um, and absolutely loved it and what, what were your thoughts um, they would love to play it on PC but they weren't sure if their laptop could run it um, but it depends how uh, intense it gets. But yeah, I think that this feels like a little burgeoning genre of like rhythm-based mm-hmm. shooter stuff. Because um, is, is this would you say this is one of the best versions of that so far, having come off BPM? Hundred percent. Because um, I was actually talking to a lovely fellow by the name of Sean yesterday at a nice uh, future training. <laughs> Shout meeting. out to Sean. These, uh, 
to shout out to Sean from PC Gamer um, <laughs> about what, because we were talking about what we reckon the next sort of subgenre of video games is going to be. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're going to move back into the rhythm action something Ooh. genre because I feel like uh, with the likes of BPM, with Metal Health Singer, with a few other titles that are experimenting with how rhythm can be used to influence platforming, uh, shooting in this case, driving in mm-hmm. other cases, or with like Thumper and like where it's like um, a remix Thumper. of the Guitar Hero concept of moving down a track mm-hmm. but making it feel like something completely different. I reckon that uh, a lot of companies are going to start exploring in that because Beat Saber proved to be the sort of next big jump yeah, with uh, yeah. where Guitar Hero and rhythm action games go. I feel like the next thing is going to be adding in like a super hot element to that mm-hmm. where it's a visual, like a fully immersive shooting rhythm action game I feel like there's one on the cusp <laughs> I feel like Metal Helsing is moving us in the right direction but this, it's going to be the immersive like, thing next yeah this feels like it's got like a certain amount of buzz around it that BPM didn't mm-hmm. have and Crypto the Necrodancer was just a nice little indie game that people found out of this I have the soundtracks for all those games I just can't play them very well because um, yeah. I'm always trying to play around the beat but hopefully knowing the songs I guess for Helsinger might help like stay on beat kind of thing um, let's actually do some questions though because the Untitled, sure. B, Untitled B Untitled B cast <laughs> um, is based around them so first question from Jack Asbury who just says I was wondering if you guys have been watching the boys since it came back last week now i don't know if you're a boys fan jules but the boys is phenomenal on amazon now i am a stupid idiot in the fact that i have only watched the first season Um, i really i really want to get into it again but it's just a case of finding the time Mm. uh when i don't know about you but sometimes when i finish work i just want to put on something that isn't challenging like i'll put the amount and i know that there's going to be a few people out there that criticize me for saying this the amount (laughs) of uh, times that i've sat down and watched like dinner date with uh, the missus just because it's (laughs) it's mindless drop and we just love it i i appreciate the mindless drag thing although i've not gone that low necessarily but i'd appreciate oh, it's, my a, it's a low bar it's a i'll low tell bar. you what the the sonic boom tv series on netflix is legit brilliant i'm just telling well, you they've got it on netflix yeah, yeah yeah only season oh, one but it's oh, okay. i think i said this on the main podcast i feel like i've been talking about this for a while maybe me and james Dowser are reminiscing about it but Son- uh, sonic boom is genuinely very very well written and funny and very meta and it knows how stupid sonic is as a franchise amazing and it's great the, the episode with robotnik and shadow and how shadow's like mr gruff man and then robotnik's <laughs> like he's the coolest guy in the canon it's like stuff like that is great and that's my mindless thing but I've been through season one at this point um, but yeah The Boys is brilliant season three um, very very solid although I think it's in it's been releasing in weeks so I need to catch up on the latest one but oh, in that case good. I'll do my usual thing of just letting mm. it all roll out and then just uh, consume I've been doing the same with uh, Battle Call Saul I've just waited until Ooh. this first batch of sevens come out and now I'm just going to go boom 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 oh you can do that now on, half of um, Battle Call Saul is out I think we're on episode four four now mm. uh, so obviously no spoilers but i am loving it oh for better call Saul. yeah Yuck, that oh my god you've got you've got stuff coming there's 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 oh things. i can't wait oh there's I so can't many wait. things um next question from kevin who says i know mario sports titles have been a little lackluster of late but is there any hype for mario strikers amongst the ubp love the love the pod perfect for walking the dogs ubp ubp massive Aww. ubp to yourself and your dog uh jules gill you reviewed mario strikers uh give it three I and a half stars out of the old five now i yes. bought it because I can't not buy everything, but I haven't. Yeah, pl- I, haven't so. I haven't played it yet. I've played the beta thing, um, so I can talk about it. But where, where are you coming down on it after playing a lot more than me? So um, I was lucky enough to get a review code, and I tested out um, the online extensively. I blitzed through all of the single player content that was available uh, on launch, mm-hmm. and I have to say that there is a supremely polished sports title here. I have had an incredible amount of fun with it. However, <laughs> it does feel like a few game design uh, philosophies from the previous um, Mario Strikers games haven't actually been 
fulfilled right. they've for example um the pitches are much smaller now there seems to be absolutely no point whatsoever in choosing which side of the field that you actually want to be on because you get a selection of like do you want it to look like a spooky mansion do you want it to look like bowser's castle whatever mm-hmm. blah, blah 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 but in in other games i think it was mario strikers charged which came out for the wii or wii u i can't remember mm-hmm. which one it was um it had hazards on the pitch. So if it were like exposed electrical wires or sometimes something would happen, like a little volcano or a molehill or something like that. Right. But there's nothing like that. So the point of choosing your your home field, as it were, is completely pointless at right, the okay. moment. I wonder if they'll add that in down the line. Mm-hmm. You get less characters to choose from in the previous game, although each one of these guys do, do have different stats now that you can customize with the gear, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I do like that aspect. How's the, the coin allocation? Because there's a big fear. We, yeah. we both share the idea mm-hmm. or the fear that they are about to plug a microtransaction system into this. And by the time yep. you hear this, maybe they have on the launch day. Um, but at the same time, yeah, how... How do they dole stuff out without that? So going through the single player mode, which is the cup battles, which are um, round robin elimination style matches that see you. If you win all your matches, you have three per cup and they get progressively harder because the teams are focused on different things. Like you'll have a cup that focuses on speed and passing, then another Mm -hmm. one that's on strength and tackling, blah, 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 blah. You get uh, 400 coins uh, for doing that, which is enough to uh, customize one character fully and there okay. are eight playable characters and I think that there's I think there's six cups I can't remember off the okay. top of my head okay. so you don't have enough to customise every character the way that you'd want it and even then that only allows you to buy one item piece per arm head slot gloves whatever it's kind so, of nuts that we're talking about this in a Nintendo game like that they've, yeah. they've finally given into that as well and do you want to know how many um, coins you get for taking part in a match and losing um, oh uh, okay I'm going to shoot with zero Ooh, two. <laughs> two. Two coins, oh right? It, 120 coins minimum to buy some things, right? Okay. So two coins for just taking part in a game, yeah. and you get 10 coins for winning. Oh, see, I, I don't know. It, but you are going to play a lot of games, don't get me wrong. You are, true, that that but... is going to rack up quickly, and I'm sure that in the um, actual Strikers Cup mode where you actually have, you build a... a, a, a a what's it called a team mm-hmm. and then you actually take them online with your friends you do get probably a lot more rewards and i assume that that's where the as a live service because they have like a in. whole mode that wasn't available yeah. before launch the galactic mode or something and it's like that's, yeah we're gonna see what the hell that thing is uh, yeah so once that time. gets updated and added in i because I, that wasn't available for review i no. had no idea what that is so my review <laughs> actually uh, isn't of the complete game which is really weird uh, considering it? that it's going to be coming out soon I was, it's always one of those things i was thinking this yesterday like what if someone was getting into video games now the amount of caveats you have to have for every single release yeah. of like you know just oh yeah that's a bit broken and yeah they patch it in later and actually what Nintendo do is, is sort of ghost sell you the season pass without you realising because yeah. they charge you up front and it'll be ready in about six months but you just have to go with it but I will say uh, even though there's like a bare bones amount of content like unfortunately you can't even do handicap matches as right. in like there used to be the thing before where it would be like oh I want to take on I want to have two players on my team and you have four players and we'll just see how it goes and there, there's no challenge mode as in like each striker used to have like a set amount of goals so mm-hmm. it would be like score 10 goals within three minutes or pass 50 times in the match sort of thing and you'd mm-hmm. unlock little achievements for doing it that's all gone right. now I wonder if that's going to be added back in almost there's, definitely the, the, at, like, <laughs> at the moment there is only the option to do a quick battle between you and the the AI or uh, an online component Mm -hmm. or a local multiplayer the cup battles the online mode that is it there are no other modes whatsoever and the customization is low as well like it's round limit time um, do you want it in night and day do you want hyper strikes on or off that's it that's all you (laughs) get this podcast is brought to you by eHarmony 
the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, yeah, it's quite oh, limited. See, I, I don't know. Like, like I said, they. it almost feels like they need to be called out for it. Nintendo are sort of like shadow giving you, like I said, a season pass. Like Mario Golf um, had a bunch of content added to it after launch, but it wasn't advertised mm-hmm. in that way. Um, I think Mario um, Tennis Aces as well, like the whole the tennis game, like took like a year for it to get fully um, equipped with enough characters, a whole bunch of different characters and like different customization mm-hmm. options and everything. And I think that's what they're going to do with this. But rather than get all the flack in the media for, in the games media for, you know, Nintendo gives it into microtransactions and season passes and fragmented releases they're just doing it anyway they just sort of here's the base version of the game for full price and we'll fill it in later and that's the interesting thing about it is that if i'm sitting here and you were to press me on what i thought was wrong with the Mm. game itself the gameplay at the moment to moment time that i have with the game i would be incredibly uh, challenge to do that that's like, how they maybe, skate around it because the like, whole maybe game is great yeah, it, it's quality like yeah. they have produced a quality game it's just I where's the rest of it yeah. like yeah, like it's it's you can't fault something that isn't there yet because mm. you don't know what it is that isn't there so it's like <laughs> it's a it, like if I was to just review it on how it made me feel and how much fun I'm having it's nearly a 4 out of 5 5 out of 5 right, game right. but I have to look in the future as to what clearly is missing to be plugged in like mm-hmm. all the extra characters the different modes the new galactic mode whatever we're going to be adding in mm-hmm. and once you start in, uh, realizing that you think oh i don't actually get that much for my money 
And no. then it becomes a sort of three out of uh, five game where you get the m- most out of it the more time you're going to put into it. Yeah, and that's the thing. They're still charging full price for it. It's £50 in the UK. Yeah. Um, mm. I managed to get it for £42 um, from Argos, I think. Shout out to Argos. But like at the same time, like they are charging a full price for a, a threadbare amount of content or at least the mm. bare minimum that they can quote-unquote get away with. And I think that's the thing that they're exploring. And the mm. difference between them and like an Activision or an Ubisoft is that the core is polished, but that's it. Yeah. And then yes, it's like, yes. uh, and because of that, everyone goes, well, what you are getting is great. And you're like, yeah, but it doesn't make up for the fact that I'm paying full price for like a third of a game or whatever it is. And um, we'll Very see how strange, it goes. isn't it? Yeah, we've got launch day today as well as the quarry. Um, and I haven't bought that yet, but that's the follow-up. Um, ostensibly, Ooh, the, the yes, spiritual yeah. sequel to Until Dawn. Um, but that thing's going for 60 English pounds. And I was like, I can't be dropping 110 pounds. Wait, the, the quarry is going for 60 pounds? 65, no, sorry, yeah. No <laughs> way. Is that actually the going yeah, price? Yeah, I, I genuinely think that Supermassive, considering they did Until Dawn in 2015, and then they kind of just ate their own arse for like the, like the the next seven years. Like the anthology series is fine. They had that terrible first-person shooter VR game that no one oh, bought. Yeah, yeah. I think now that they have a bit of buzz around the quarry and because they've cited Until Dawn in the marketing, there is like a lot of people looking forward to it. So the, someone in their department, marketing department, whatever it is, some financial number cruncher has gone, let's try the £65 um, premium price point. Because, I'm sorry. It's yeah. £65 for... You for know it's going anyway. to be two hours, like maximum <laughs> gameplay length. It all, because all of them are. Every single one of them, like... And, until dawn is only what three hours long like well i guess so if you're going on the um uh the amount of protracted cutscenes that yes. you have in there but once oh, you, if you don't know, little game happen, time then yeah yeah like actual game time mm-hmm. of it because man that is a lot of money well that that's is, the thing so the um the ps5 version i'm genuinely is, shocked by that I, know. <laughs> I thought i thought this was going to be like what you'd call now a budget price of 45 or 50 quid I think, but 65 65 whole pounds i think it's 65 on playstation 5 it's 65 on series x or next gen and then the original versions i think are 50 or 55 on ps4 right. xbox whatever so but i think it's it, the cast is insane for it so they have to like Bump that yeah, up but as well. like, how many times have I told you this? We shouldn't have to foot their their no, bill of choosing which actors. That's <laughs> like like you pay. What is his name? The guy from uh, uh not iRobot. Um, yeah, it was iRobot, wasn't he? From uh, Until Dawn. Um, oh, um, what's yes. his name? Remy. <laughs> no, not his name. That's it. Yeah, yeah, Malik. Um, like we shouldn't have to pay for your decision to hire him. Right. You know okay, what I mean? That's like, a really well, good good way to put it. Yeah. But I just I, for me, it's more that it is the most buzz they've had around anything supermassive in about seven years. Like since Until Dawn. Like there was hype for that first um, Dark Pictures anthology game yeah, but then that yeah. was really naff um, and I love Until Dawn I've got it as one of my favourite best you know PlayStation 4 games of that whole generation but yeah I think they've just gone we can crank this a bit and see what we can get away with um, and I guess we'll see what they can get away with I feel like it's a case of do you ever wonder why people are so defensive about their video games nowadays <laughs> when they're paying that much for them of course the sense of entitlement and attachment that comes from that mm-hmm. the literal investment that you're putting into that because let's crunch the numbers here if you're working a um, per hour paid job mm-hmm. and you're on minimum wage and you've saved up for that we are looking at a considerable amount of your life to buy that yeah. one game mm-hmm. and that game comes out and let's face it the reviews have been out for it already and they've said it's Okay, it's oh, the fine. Oh, doing all right. Like eight to it's nine. It's eight, yeah. eight out of ten mm-hmm. game. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But for for sixty five quid, <laughs> that's your game. Ah, oh, it's weird because like the the other side of that is that whole sort of publisher whim of like, well, we need to pad it full of stuff. Go mm. go do this mission twenty times. Like put this loot system in it, and then we can charge sixty five pounds and seventy pounds, and then it gets too elongated. I do think this price point is too high for this game, but it is hard sometimes to try and match those things up. 
speaking of padding, mate, I am so scared for that Street Fighter Six. Really? That that, that that adventure mode that they're shoehorning in. Please do not jump force this <laughs> you game. You must I have do played Mortal Kombat Deception. What was the Mortal Kombat where you could run around as? Um, oh, oh. what was he called? The, that one character, and it's it's just like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, but that, was, like that, that wasn't. Yeah, but it was fine back on the PS2. But nowadays, when it still looks like the PS2, it's just like, oh, I don't, I don't need an open world fighting game. No, I, I don't, don't need, I don't need open world everything. Please, well, just I give me some structure. Like, I assume that it's like you can walk to characters and talk to them, kind of like. Because the thing is, having played quite a lot of like anime fighters, like over the years, like um, Jump Force had it. Um, there was another one that came out recently, and I forget One Punch Man had it, where yeah, the main yeah. story is just like static NPCs, and you're just running up to them, talking to them, and then you fight mm. in between. Yeah. Um, rather than design like a Mortal Kombat style cinematic adventure kind of thing. Um, and I wonder if that's just what they're doing because it is it is quite, it seems to be like a trend that's caught on in like Eastern anime games. So as fighting games anyway. So I, you I can, kinda... it's, it's just so that you can tag it by saying it's open world. Open Maybe. world just sells because people assume that that gives it more quantity. Mm. That means that you've got more stuff. But what are you really doing? You're not doing anything. You're walking. <laughs> you're going from one menu to another. There is nothing happening in between those points. You're not wrong. I, I, the thing is, I do think the gameplay for this looks unreal. Oh, like, yeah. Don't be like, the, fighting, <laughs> the fighting for this game looks amazing. The like, and the fact the they brought back really uh, Guile. When he brought back Guile with his little beard, I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> where did you come down on uh, this? Is because two things now. Where did you come down on the bearded Ryu debate, and where did you come down on the large thighed Chun Li debate? I mean, I'm very much pro both, to be honest. The thing is, is that like the body proportions of every fighter in mm. this game are ridiculous. So yes. when it comes to like her thighs, it's just balanced out by the absolute meat. Like I swear that Ryu is looking like Super Meat Boy now more than anything else. <laughs> like he is just one big slab one of ham with. That, that like uh, somebody has stuck bread rolls to for his abs like that is how he's getting on uh, and, and a beard whatever like I, I'm not going to criticise somebody for having a beard uh, no, no. especially because like, that is what my one gimmick like, I like that the things that I didn't I never knew I think part of me knew but I haven't really thought about it in a long time that Street Fighter does have a timeline that Street yeah, Fighter does, 3 yeah. is the most recent one and then this is finally taking place after that so this is the mm-hmm. newest one in the timeline mm-hmm. so this is like older Ryu with his beard and everything else but like I like that look I think he looks cool I like the whole like overinflated, over the top character model I think it gives it more of a style and I like all the um, the inky like combat animation stuff when all the different yeah. connections are happening and stuff so I came away from a thing that looked really really cool I saw a bit of backlash like, oh it's a bit too comic booky but like for me they should lean into that stuff like Dragon Ball Fighter Z was incredible for that which had another yeah. one of those modes in that you didn't like but like that had the open world thingy again or an open well, space they- they um uh if they don't like this art style then they should just look at street fighter 4 because yeah. that is exactly the same inky based art style that they introduced in that and that was phenomenally well done mm-hmm. I-, I feel like this with the sort of like i guess you'd call it a graffiti aesthetic yeah. it fits the urban environment in which you're setting the game so i actually think that tonally aesthetically this is very on brand this i think it's sweet i think the main logo looks a bit naff but like that, that oh, the weird rotated thing, thing. Yeah. yeah that's a bit that's a bit odd but overall like in terms of, a, of considering how how much of a weird bomb street fighter 5 was like and how weirdly segmented yeah. that thing's rollout was this oh, feels more confident you've but- actually just you've just answered my question as to why <laughs> they're putting in this open world story mode because uh-huh. street fighter 5 didn't have a story no. mode when it launched so they're literally doubling down as an apology and just saying look look it's all story there's <laughs> nothing else story story story, story. Escape. yeah, they, yeah. Need, they need to do everything right this time around because like five launched with like nothing like i don't even think you could fight the ai one-on-one it was like all you could have was didn't a have a training one-on-one. mode it no didn't training have a tra- mode. yeah ridiculous. Story, it was ridiculous but like yeah street fighter should be one of the best franchises in gaming yeah. and this looks 
looks really cool. Um, a quick question from a dull lumberjack who just says, "Have I listened to Necrogoblicon yet?" Um, I listened yeah. to Bones. I think it's Bones yeah. in the bowling yeah. alley. Yes. <laughs> I when he accidentally that. throws the ball and it just smashes just, the old couple's head apart. Yeah, I was just like, "This is this is actually pretty brilliant." Um, so yeah, I've listened to one song because after last week's or whatever it was that we talked about it, I went and checked that out. Um, so yeah, they're great. I I don't even know how you even talk about Necrogoblicon on a podcast because how the, what <laughs> reference point does anyone have for that? But it's a metal band. There's a little goblin in a bowling alley trying his best, and then he can't do it, and he throws a bowling ball, and it takes out an old couple. And you should go watch it. Probably it's it's, it's a thing. Uh, I feel like Necrogoblicon is the uh, the band for everyone who's looking for a bit of banter in their death <laughs> or speed metal. That's where you. They go remind me it. of uh, is it Alestorm, and they remind yeah. me of like um, is it Guar as well? Like the sort of yeah. like, the bands big... that just like don't take themselves too seriously no. and love this sort of like dress up and fantasy Nerd aspect metal. of it. I kind of yeah. wish that the band themselves looked like all the goblins. Like if you had like a, a bunch of goblins with the hoods, that would have like, been good. Like that a band of Stixers, like the yeah. game Sticks. I would take that. <laughs> uh, next question from William Rea, who says, "What's better for the indie developer to have their game on Game Pass so more people play it, or that the game gets talked about more so their digital sales increase?" This is interesting because Xbox mm. slash Game Pass they never um, talk about revenue. They always no. talk about discoverability. So it's like I mean ultimately you want to make enough money to just to keep your people paid properly and then hopefully yeah. be able to make another game so it's whatever leads to that but yeah what do you think so what I've heard from uh, from rumblings of indie game developers mm. and sort of picked up on forums is that those that approach it with the game pass or streaming service in mind actually do so with uh, microtransactions as their backbone right. because of the fact that it's kind of like Spotify in the sense that they do get a rev share of whatever sales or downloads they get but it is very minimal so they see it more as like advertising the merch line uh, of their t-shirts in order to actually uh. make back the cost of development mm-hmm. so i would say that in that sense uh game pass may actually be bad for the long-term uh growth of the industry because it is going to homogenize the use of microtransactions in every title mm-hmm. in order to stay afloat and the worst thing is is that if you release a game it goes out on game pass it's mm-hmm. very successful but it doesn't translate into direct sales because people think that they can just always get it for well the theoretical yeah, the fee, free yeah. the monthly fee then um you're and they don't buy the microtransactions that you're putting out that indie game developer then goes under yeah they have a very, like, they have a they have a successfully they have a successful game that fails mm-hmm. that, well, that's yeah that's like again that's a hell of a way of putting it that's the thing until xbox fully talk about the revenue side of it which they probably never will do they might do as pressure gets put on them from the playstation plus premium side of it because sony are about to do this exact same thing mm-hmm. um, in a couple of weeks with their archive of titles and we'll see what gets added to that um in a monthly um, capacity as well but yeah i think it's interesting i think the fact that um i just i doubt that anyone finishes games on game pass i did do a couple of twitter polls on this and people say that they do um but it was still like a two-thirds split like two-thirds would try and get through as many games as they can one-third try more games than they complete um yeah. i just my gut just says that like i mean maybe that's the people that are following me i just think overall in a mainstream audience i think more people will try stuff than complete it it's just my gut feeling on it um and i wonder how much you know whether they have some sort of um, how they pay people based on whether you get through the game, whether it's a retention thing or like, because yeah. there's so many games on Game Pass that like if you start splitting that user base that much, I just don't know how that's a sustainable revenue model. And um, it's also timed as well. So I guess you're trying to encourage someone to play for a bit and then they want to pick up their save and it's like, well, actually, you're gonna, now you're going to have to pay the money um, and pick something yeah. up. 
Um, mm. It was interesting with Forza um, Horizon 5, the, the last one, where they, it was on Game Pass, but they had a premium version of the game you could pre-order anyway. And then that did insane sales numbers, and then it was on Game Pass anyway. So they mm-hmm. saw a double dip. But like, I think it depends on the franchise itself. Um, but yeah, we're, we're very much in like an influx period with this stuff, while um, Sony try their hand at it, and I guess we'll see if Nintendo ever do their version of it, um, over like in terms of third-party stuff. But yeah, I, um, I'd i go with the latter. I think that individual mm. game sales are, are just going to give you more money than a monthly revenue tick, but I don't know what that monthly revenue tick is. Yeah, um, it's hard to say without the actual data. Yeah, I can only imagine it's minuscule because of the amount of titles on there, but you have to wait and see. Um, next uh, next title, I was going to say, next question <laughs> from Roy Mutombo Turner, who says what would you think if Nintendo built a Switch successor with additional horsepower in the dock, meaning, high, meaning higher spec games could be played, but only while docked? That's like an interesting way to split it. Um, I actually wouldn't be adverse to that uh, mm. because even though I actually I only docked my Switch for the first time really? the other day when I went over to play a game of Mario Kart over at my mate's house <laughs> and I was just like oh yeah it does actually like go on the big TV yeah. not just in my hands because <laughs> that's what Josh does he never plays it on the TV yeah because the Switch has just become that game console that I'll have like I'll just play on the couch for a bit I'll do mm. that and I love the fact that I can do that mm-hmm. um, would I be annoyed if I had to dock it to play some games probably not because right. of the fact mm. that it would be a case of I still have the functionality of the other games on that library, uh, but docking it, providing the extra boost and oomph. Yeah, that could be great. My problem would be is that if you open the floodgates, why would anyone make anything that isn't making the most of that console because you are upping the competition? Yeah, I guess it's it's hard because it's like, what kind of features could you code in that would be activated when you dock the system that mm. wouldn't get in the way of how, like their selling point that it's immediately on the big TV? Um, I would assume, I mean, they, they kind of do that now. If you look at like most games have different specs on handheld versus dock, but it's usually just frame rate stuff Yeah, um, yeah. because it can free that stuff up. But yeah, I like the idea of that as a way to, to split the difference, let's say, but I would rather just have a handheld 4k switch or a handheld meteor yeah. switch because the steam deck can do elden ring can do god of war or whatever so it's yeah. kind of throwing so the bar proves, down anyway it proves that it is possible yeah. and like i was i was actually looking at the steam uh, deck stuff just seeing what the performance was and mm. somebody was playing elden ring on it and i was like okay this is genuinely oh, it's impressive insane. like i mean it's a the, lot of what's money, the battery yeah. life though on it well that's the thing it depends what you're playing i've I, like i said mm. i've been playing a lot of ps2 stuff so i can get about um i don't know four or five hours out of it if i'm playing a bunch of ps2 games. that's actually pretty impressive it's not to too bad it depends on the games um but i'm also i mean that's the thing on the first night when i got it i was installing all of the different emulation software and i was looking all those different things up and you can use it just as a pc so mm-hmm. i was in desktop mode and dragging and downloading files and drag dropping loads of different things but um yes yeah, so i was doing that stuff and then um i noticed that it had gone down by about 70 percent after maybe two or two, three hours of, of pure yeah. setup but that was a lot of download time a lot of um, mm-hmm. uh, unpacking stuff so um yeah so it depends what you're running i'm i'm yeah i don't own anything on steam that's a triple a game because i've always been a console gamer so like um things like elden ring or god of war like i have them on console so it might, i might take the plunge and get something on steam deck just to see what it yeah. does um but my gut says that it'll burn it in like an hour or two hours i imagine you can't play elden ring for very long um mm. especially on decent settings anyway but um i was always getting it as an emulation machine so i'm like yeah fair enough you know make it a mini ps2 or whatever um, but anyway, um, next question from McAllister NYC. Given the rumors around Apple maybe buying the dreadnought of disappointment that is EA, do you think that that would be a good fit? Would Disney or Amazon be better? Um, this is a whole rumor that's doing the rounds in the industry that EA have said they were up, or they were um, entertaining the idea of uh, investors. And uh, it was something like Apple had stepped forward or registered interest that they might want to take them over. What, so, so Apple would want to buy EA or become like a significant <laughs> shareholder? 
isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, that's an interesting thing because if you removed all of EA's titles and put them onto Mac gaming things, a system <laughs> that is notoriously bad for running video games, mm-hmm. that would be hilarious. You've got half working games working on half working laptops. EA like, as well good ones. are in the worst position of their recent history. Like they've just lost the FIFA license, which I get. They actually they pulled away from quite a, a bad deal there anyway, and they're going to relaunch as. Uh, right. I'm not going to, like, I, tooting my own horn here, (laughs) cut to about a year and a half ago or two years ago, I was banging on about this, saying that the costs were becoming so prohibitive to EA to hold on to that license. Mm -hmm. And I said this was going to be the collapse of the FIFA. No one listened to me. Everyone (laughs) said it was too big to fail. Everyone said that is ridiculous because why would anyone want to leave that franchise Mm -hmm. or leave that license on the table? And I just said, because it gets to a point where even if you are making money hand over fist, you are not making money at all because you are spending hundreds of millions of pounds to get the license in the first place. Mm -hmm. It created the predatory loot box um, system that we see so prevalent today. Mm -hmm. It created this horrible uh, Ultimate Team franchise thing that will not go away, even though (laughs) everyone, bar the the whales that are at the very top, agrees is bad. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the thing. I mean, all those features will already carry over as well. I mean, like the deal that they got out of was this insane amount of money that FIFA were asking for, Mm -hmm. but apparently EA's already secured a bunch of like separate deals to just be able to do their EA Sports FC thing and carry all that stuff over. I think they already confirmed that Ultimate Team is one of the things that's carrying over. So the money grubby side of it, I guess they'll only profit more, less of it will go to FIFA, but the actual like systems will stay in place. But overall, like EA, the the state of the state of their football stuff, the state of Battlefield is like horrendous. Bad. Haven't they, aren't they actually like winding it down? Yeah, there was a young yeah, like talking about it. And he was just saying like, look, this is such a disaster. They're thinking of pulling the plug already. Yeah, so Jeff Grubb from uh, GameSpeed slash Giant Bomb said that, um, yeah, it's down to a skeleton crew. Shout anyway. out to Giant Bomb, by the way. Yeah, R. massive R. shout out to Giant Bomb. Yeah. Life, literally if a lifelong fan. Like I was like, unbe- I was gobsmacked when the, the next Lander stuff happened and then when Jeff's mm. going to be leaving, that is an end of an era. Like I've yeah. followed them since high school. But um, yeah, that whole thing was Jeff Grubb saying that it's down to a skeleton crew and they are just fulfilling their barest legal obligations for um, oh, the advertised bad. features or the advertised season stuff. But season one, quote unquote, just started like last week and all you got was two new weapons, one mm-hmm. new character, one new map or something. So yeah, there's all that stuff. Um, EA did respond to that saying um, that it wasn't true, um, but it's been it's been multiple sources have said that it is true. So I guess we'll see how it goes. Plus, it's EA. I don't think they're in a great position. Um, yeah. I don't think Apple would save them. Um, I don't think any of these people would. Disney or Amazon, I think they would only double down on the investor stuff, the shareholder stuff. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I think they would only get worse if they did it. Um, but yes, not to worry, because we've always got the Entitled Banter podcast, which is what Yay! this has been, the UBP, the UBP. The UBP. UBP. So I've been Scott Talbot, joined by Jules Gill. A massive thank you for sending in all your questions. Mr. Jules, you were going to say something there. I was just going to say uh, next week, make sure to check out on the Thursday when we put the tweet going live um, to ask you guys for your questions. Thank you all so much for submitting them. And as per usual, even though we only got through a handful and spent the first 10, 15 minutes talking about The Last of Us, which nobody asked us about, uh, we do try our best to get through as many as possible. We do. I'll carry as many over um, to next week as I can get my hands on. There's a whole bunch in previous weeks. There's always a lovely UBP uh, bucket to go back to. But yeah, massive thank you to everybody and we'll catch you next week. Bye, everyone. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. 
here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.